right, legends, welcome back to the show. We're going to get into Halloween 5. Have a little chat about that there. Uh, the, the Revenge of Michael Myers, sorry. Um, 1989. Uh, I need to learn how to speak before I start these things. Um, yeah, 89 on a budget of 5.5 million. And it made back 11.6 million at the box office. And of course, after the last movie, there was no doubt that they were going to continue it. Uh, as I said in my little review of that, so far, the previous movie it was probably my favourite in the series at this point. Now, I feel this one here isn't quite as strong as the previous one, but it is what it is. It's started like a, a trilogy in the centre of the, the movies. Uh, prior movie this one and then the following movie would be like a, a trilogy so this one pretty much starts off where the last one ended off and we get to see a bit of a different side to Myers getting shot and falling down the the main shaft uh, Sheriff Maker and the lynch mob that were tracking him down in the last movie and the state police tossed dynamite down to finish him off but he esca escapes into a nearby creek before the dynamite explodes and he stumbles upon an elderly hermit who nurses him back to health after he falls into a coma so uh, that's the opening to the movie then we cut to one year later on of course October 30th 1989 Michael awakens and this guy has been keeping that's nursed him back to health and been keeping him safe for a full year. Michael wakes up, stabs the hermit to death and returns to Haddonfield to find his niece, Jamie Lloyd, one more time. Um, yeah, so Jamie in this movie, she's been admitted to Haddonfield Children's Clinic after, at the end of the last movie, of course, we've seen her attacking her foster mother and she's been rendered... Jamie's been rendered mute due to psychological trauma that she suffered in the prior movie. She's suffering from nightmares and seizures and she's also exhibiting signs of uh, a telepathic link with her uncle, of course, Michael. Um, once again, Dr. Loomis is there. He becomes aware of Jamie's psychic link with Michael and he tries to convince Maker, the sheriff, that Michael is still alive. Uh, Michael, meanwhile, stabs Jamie's foster sister Rachel to death and begins stalking their friend Tina. Uh, Michael kills Tina's boyfriend Mike, then poses as him by wearing a mask that Tina had given to Mike earlier. So he's, uh, he's been a bit stealthy. In this movie, uh, later that night, Tina and her friends Sam and Spitz go to a Halloween party at a farm, uh, sensing that Tina is in danger. Jamie, having partially regained her ability to speak, escapes to try to go and warn her while Sam and Spitz are having sex in the barn. Of course, it's only a matter of time before you, you get that in these old slasher movies. Uh, Michael impales Spitz with a pitchfork and decapitates Sam with a scythe. Uh, Tina finds the bodies and 
goes to warn nearby police deputies but finds that Michael has already killed them. Now I just glossed over that entire section of the movie but for me that's where the movie kind of started to lose steam. Was that whole sequence of the the Halloween party at the farm and you know there's a lot of bit moments where you know they, they try to build up the the tension a little bit and you're expecting Michael to pop out and maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't but it just seemed for me it just felt like it went on for far too long and honestly at that point in the movie I was starting to lose interest in a big way because you know exactly what's going to happen to all these characters but it's just how it's happening and how it's built up and it just didn't feel that it was handled quite as well as everything in the prior movie but uh yeah uh where are we at uh yeah tina after finding the bodies of the two police deputies uh she flees but uh jamie and her friend billy another little guy from the the clinic they arrive and michael begins chasing jamie in a car but he that's a great little sequence in the movie that was well done but he manages to crash into a tree uh, he Michael gets out of the car and Tina sacrifices herself to allow Jamie and Billy time to escape uh, Loomis arrives and Jamie finally agrees to help him stop Michael for good the whole way through the movie up to this point he's been really bullying the child at this point to contact him through the mind, figure out where he's at, what he's doing, you need you need to do this, it's, we can't stop him without you, more or less, and with Jamie's help, Loomis and Sheriff Meeker have created a setup at the old Myers house to lure Michael back to his abandoned childhood home, and suddenly the police receive a call saying Michael has broken into the clinic, which prompts Meeker and almost all the police to leave um this call isn't accurate however it's just a diversion and michael appears and kills the trooper sitting in the patrol car outside the house which to me played a bit strange you know if you're trying to set up uh, a trap for michael myers and you're trying to get him into this house and using jamie as the bait to get him into the house having a state trooper her trooper's car sitting outside the house just seemed a bit weird but it is what it is one of these old 80s slasher movies and you're you're just on it for the the fact that it's there more or less so uh before and yeah he kills this trooper before he goes into the house loomis meets him as soon as he comes through the door tries to reason with him but michael slashes him and throws him over the the banister uh michael kills deputy and our deputy who's protecting jamie before chasing her throughout the house and jamie hides in a laundry chute and we see earlier in the movie that one of these this door in the basement was hard to open so that plays on it later on in the movie where she's trapped inside the chute and michael he's trying to get into it to kill her that was well done. This little girl that played Jamie, her acting is top notch in these movies. She plays it very, very well. 
both in this film and the prior film. But, uh, yeah. Uh, where are we at? Jimmy hides in the laundry chute. Yep. Um, fleeing upstairs. Uh, Michael can't get her out. Jimmy finds the bodies of Max the dog in this movie. There's always a dog turns up in these movies somewhere along the line, or a pet of some sort, and you're sort of wondering at one point that the dog survive. In this movie, the dog doesn't survive. Um, Rachel and Mike, they're in the attic as well. They're dead bodies. Uh, Michael, he finds Jimmy, attempts to kill her one more time, but stops when Jimmy addresses him as uncle. Um, removes his mask. Um, Michael removes his own mask. When Jimmy touches his face, he goes into a fit of rage. Chases her once again. Uh, Jimmy heads down the stairs to find Loomis. Uh, Loomis uses Jimmy to lure Michael into a trap. Shoots him with a tranquilizer gun and drops a, a net on him. Uh, of course, Michael uh, beats the trap and Louise drugged Michael unconscious with a... Where are we at now? I keep losing the place in these notes. Absolute disaster. At keeping up with my own reviews. But it is what it is. Brings a little bit of realism to these podcasts. It's all good. Um, yes, uh, a drug Michael is beaten unconscious with a wooden plank until he eventually suffers. Until, sorry, Loomis eventually suffers from a stroke and collapses on top of Michael. Uh, Meeker and the rest of the police return shortly to uh, Michael's... Maker and the rest of the police that were lured away by that fake call returned to the house and Michael is taken into custody and Sheriff Maker assures Jamie that Michael who is locked in the cell is going to remain in prison until he dies but Jamie doesn't believe him and remarks that Michael will never die uh, one of the officers goes back to bring Jamie home when a mysterious man in black, my goodness, my England when I'm writing stuff is terrible. Um, yeah, they're going to take Jamie home, but one of the one of the officers is going to bring her back home. Uh, returns into the the police station after a mysterious man in black. You see him popping up a couple of times in this movie. Um, I kind of feel, and I'm going to look at some production notes whenever I get through this here. Like I kind of feel that the the part of this man in black was probably a bigger part at one point in the script for this movie and it definitely plays into the next movie which again that's going to be a trilogy at this point I have no recollection whatsoever of the films from this point on um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the next one I'm just going to be seeing it with fresh eyes at this point uh, this guy turns up you see there's like a, a tattoo on his uh, I kinda, I'm trying to recall it was a tattoo on his wrist. There's definitely, you see the same tattoo on Michael Myers. At one point it's on Michael's wrist. But this guy has the same tattoo and whatnot. Um, he goes into the police station and there's an explosion. Uh, the officer, hearing gunfire, the officer's going to take Jamie home. He hears the gunfire inside the, the police station and he rushes back inside after warning Jimmy to stay with the car 
when the officer doesn't return, Jamie gets the nerve up to go back inside to see what's going on. She finds the entire station destroyed from the explosion, uh, uh, along with Maker and several other officers dead on the floor. And Jamie discovers Michael's cell empty in the back door of the police station, broken open. No sign of Michael or this man in black. Um, of course, at the end of the movie, she breaks down in tears, uh, realising Michael's free to continue terrorising Haddonfield. And that's where we close out in the movie. As I say, I feel that it just wasn't as strong as the, the prior instalment, but it is what it is. It's these movies are bubblegum for the brain. So let me see. Uh, let's get into some production notes here to see if there's any details on that uh, man in black. Uh, let me see. I'm just going through this stuff literally as I'm recording here. Um, no, I can't seem to see anything. I don't know. Where I heard of that before, I'm pretty sure I heard it in a podcast somewhere along the line. Or it could be talking out of my, my arse completely at this point. But I do believe that that character, the man in black, you see him a couple of times throughout the movie. Turning up, gets off a bus. And, uh, like a cowboy sort of a character. Um, yeah, and then at the very end turns up again. A... I kind of feel at some point that character was bigger than the, an, an earlier draft of the script or, you know, they just, maybe even when they got to actually editing the movie maybe felt that, you know, he could be scaled back a little bit to keep a little bit of mystery about him, which of course does work uh, you know, by the end of the movie whenever he turns up at the police station you almost have kind of forgotten about him at this point and you're like once again presented with you know who the heck is this guy? What's he after? And of course walks into the police station and then the explosion goes off and disappears along with Michael. Um, it's a good enough movie. Uh, it's definitely not one I would skip over if I was going through the series again. But for me, once again, going through these movies from beginning to end, that's. Uh, one, the one prior to this was definitely Halloween 4. The Return of Michael Myers was actually a better movie than The Revenge of Michael Myers. So I'm looking forward to getting into the next one. Hopefully you'll get that by Friday. Or depending on whenever you're hearing this podcast, it could be 20 years from now. And uh, it will be online at that point. And I'm really, really am talking nonsense at this point. So I'm going to cut the review at this point And... Yeah, I'll talk to you on the next episode, and until then, stay safe. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening.